Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, this is absolutely going to be the longest ups and downs ever. And so many people have said, Simon, why are you doing AEW and NXT in one episode? I'm going to tell you why. Because I wanted to send down a message. Because let's just get rid of all this tribalism stuff. I mean, me saying that's not going to end it. But let's just enjoy WWE, AEW, NXT, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan. You permit your promotion of choice. And yes, I just said permit. And I don't even know what that means. But I am so damn pumped after an excellent evening of professional wrestling that I just want to give a salute to all the performers and say thank you very much. Trust me, it's so much better when you do have competition and Exhibit A is the two shows we just got. Right, now, let's all calm down. We are going to go segment v segment. It's going to absolutely kill me, but you bet your ass it's going to be positive. Let's up those doubts. The first thing we saw in AEW Dynamite was Christian Cage, and he was like, well... It is the biggest dynamite ever, and I'm the biggest star, so I deserve to be here. He also said he's totally fine with whoever does become the number one contender for the TNT title, be that Swerve Strickland or Brian Danielson, because Swerve did screw him over at the Wembley show when he lost, and as for Danielson, well, he just think he sucks. Christian then also took credit for the fact that dynamite was going to be 30 minutes commercial free, which is absolutely hilarious. He's just one of the biggest stars in all of professional wrestling at the moment. Don't at me or come into my house and argue. He was only on the screen for about a minute, giving him an up. Right, so this is when we had to flip the channel and we got over to NXT. And who was starting the flubbing show? <laughs> it was Cody Rhodes. This whole thing was like something out of WWE 2K23. Now we knew we had a big announcement and actually it was just saying yeet over and over again. Because clearly this crowd had seen that fast lane press conference with Jey Uso. I tell you, enjoy it while you can. It's definitely going to take over. Anywho, it turned out that Rhodes was here to say that the Dusty Classic is coming back, as well as the men's breakout tournament. I was like, yeah, okay, it's kind of what I did expect. But again, you can't get mad at WWE. I mean, what do you think the word promoter means? It then turned out that Shawn Michaels and Cody had actually been playing the video game, because he was like, ta-da, I am the special GM for the evening. When it turned into Raw... And here came Ia Dragunov. He just wanted to tell Rhodes that when he grows up, he wants to be just like him. I was like, that was a little bit weird. When Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio interrupted, and I just fell on the floor. I was like, man, this is only segment one. I'm not going to be able to handle it. Mysterio has basically decided that he is the only champion that matters and that Cody Rhodes is an idiot. So you could see where this was headed. And he challenged Dragunov for an NXT title match. 
damn. Cody heard this as him trying to protect his North American championship when Ripley got the mic and she's like, listen, don't forget who carried this damn company on his back for the last year. It's my condom. And I was like, yeah, Rhea, you're right. Anywho, Dragunov did accept this because he is a fighting champion because we didn't already have enough of this NXT. Cody Rhodes went, well, I tell you what, I've got one last announcement and LA Knight, of all the people, is going to be the special guest referee. But I was a bit like, okay, he must have invited LA Knight to this show. What if he hadn't made this main event? What was he going to do? So this was a fire opening and it was just surreal seeing Cody Rhodes at the Performance Center. You do have to give it an up. Right, we go back to AEW. <laughs> this is going to destroy my brain. But it was that number one contender match, Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland. And I just tell you this, you have to go and see it. Now, understandably, people do talk about Brian as being one of the best ever, because he is one of the best ever. But we have to keep this conversation going about Swerve, because I tell you, this dude is like a chameleon. He can adapt to any style. And if we continue to push him to the moon, I promise you, he is totally going to smash it. I do want to tie that in, because yes, he lost. Now, at first, the nerd side of me was like, why would you have Swerve Strickland lose? because I do lose control of my limbs when this goes down. When I was like, no, man, we've got to start accepting this. Sometimes you watch real sports and the underdog wins and the underdog doesn't win. Don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but you just never know. So I was just so pleased that somebody got the W and somebody got the L, especially because we told a lot of stories. I mean, they began by wrestling each other and because they were basically on the same level, they then stared into each other's eyes. You know what that means? Super duper serious. And then started slapping each other when Strickland kind of got a cheap shot in when he threw Brian Danielson into the ring apron and Taz called it the second hardest part of the ring. And I was like, look, Taz, you're very, very good at what you do, but how dare thee, sir? How dare thee? Because Swerve can do anything too. He then went for a 450, but he missed when Brian started laying in the yes kicks. I was like, do we call them the yes kicks anymore? And if not, do they have a name? Maybe the death kicks. That was a weird thing to say. Strickland then got super pissed and hit this insane stomp into the ring apron. I actually watched it like this. But because Brian is all about escalation, they then went to the top rope and they did an avalanche back suplex. I'm not kidding you. This isn't hyperbole. This is one of the best matches of the year. Around about this time too, Danielson's ribs had been hurt. So Swerve was like, Haha, well, I'm going to take advantage of that. When he hit the house call and the Swerve stomp and this got amazing one, two, ooh, I totally bought it. This is when Prince Nana had decided he was insulted by the whole thing. So he ran down to use his crown. But of course, who was there to stop him? It was none other than Repo Man. Was a repo man, I have to stop saying it. But it was Hangman Adam Page, so here is your damn narrative. It didn't mean that Danielson was able to reverse the JML driver into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. But actually that didn't work, so he hit his big move, the running knee, and he got the one, two, three. And as always, that rhymed, so it's good. It also means that come Saturday, we're doing Danielson versus Christian for the TNT title. Look at this weird position that I have assumed. It's because I don't know how to react to this. Other than the fact that I love it, it is getting it up. So that was great, as was NXT. I mean, shock horror, most shows can be good. I mean, the first Shotzi did return for absolutely no reason, but I guess she wanted a front row seat because it was Roxanne Perez taking on Flavid Oscar. Now, when I wanted to be that guy, I do have to be honest with you, this was one of the things I was most excited about because Roxanne is already ready for the main roster, whereas Oscar can do no wrong. Do not forget, she is one of the best wrestlers ever. Look at her back catalogue. I think that was the whole idea here, too, to tell you, oh, man, look at Perez. She's got what it takes. And while we did give her a lot here, essentially the Empress 
just booed her in the head a lot before she gave her this wild, wild kick and pinned her for the one, two, three. But still, it was very, very good. And we probably should put Roxanne Perez on Raw or SmackDown tomorrow. I mean, what are we waiting for? One day I'm going to be dead. I want to see it. I also do want to shout out Roxy because at one point she too went for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. And it didn't work. Which means it didn't work on AW and it didn't work on NXT. And now all my dreams are dead. We made sure to tie this one in as well because Keanu James was then here to try and beat up Perez when of course Shotzi was like, not on my watch. And she threw her watch at her. She didn't do that. But she got in the ring. She chased her as well as everybody celebrated. So there was absolutely nothing wrong with this. And really, NXT should continue to allow the current stars to work with the stars of tomorrow. Which sounds like an exhibit I'd like to see. I'm giving it up. Right. We then go back to AEW. And Samoa Joe had made another video. He's been busy. Essentially, though, he just told us how violent he's going to be. And that he still wants that world championship. I don't know what's going to happen here. Color me intrigue. When Dynamite went right into a surprise, I could not believe my eyes. <laughs> it arrived again. But it was Chris Jericho versus powerhouse Will Hobbs. I was a little bit like, well, I wonder what direction this will go in. As it turned out, William had decided, I'm going to squash this fool. And he did. I mean, seriously, as soon as the bell rung, he just lunged at Chris and he hit him with a spine buster and he punched him in the face and he hit him with a spine buster and he punched him in the face to the point Jericho was just on the floor like he was some drool. What? Now, Jericho wasn't able to hit the code breaker, but that only got a one-two ooh. Once again, Powerhouse was like, you tried to break my code, so now I must finish you off. And he also got out of the walls of Jericho like he was just leaving a grocery store when he hit the world's strongest slam times two and he put his knee right into Chris Jericho's face and he pinned him. I was like, have I gone delirious here? I mean, this was a total destruction. He also rubber stamped this by hitting him with one final slam. And I'm sorry, this is absolute genius because all of a sudden from nowhere, powerhouse Will Hobbs feels like this monster again. That's how you do it. So I absolutely love this and it's gotta be the start of Hobbs's proper push. And we've been waiting for this for a while. Fair play to Chris Jericho as well. He did business. Oh. As did the Brawling Brutes and Tyler Bate versus Gallus over on NXT. <laughs> they were in a pub rules match. Now, at first, I was a little bit like, surely this should just be them eating snacks and drinking beer. <laughs> and actually, towards the end of the thing, that's actually what they did. It was basically a hardcore match, though, and we had some whiskey barrels set up. So we go, oh, we're in a bar. <laughs> they just got weapons and they smacked each other in the head for a little while. I mean, Butch got thrown through a table almost instantly when the Brutes and Bate were able to get back to it. They did Seamus's forearm smash into the chest, which I suppose was a tribute to the guy. When Wolfgang went to do a dive, and while he did nail it, he also smacked his head into the ring apron, and I went all woozy-goozy. It meant our good guys could also apply the triple submission, but then accidentally, Butch went to boot one of Gallus, he missed, and he hit Tyler Bate instead. Right, right. Wolfgang then wanted to make amends, so he slammed Butch down as him and Mark Coffey pinned the former Pete Dunne, I was like, oh my gosh, they've done it. When Tyler Bate broke that up at two, just very good. Deciding what we were talking about as well, this is when Joe Coffey decided he was going to get wasted because he had a beer. He was like, I'm having a good time, which is well, of course. Bate grabbed the thing. He got the mug. He just smashed it right over his head. Butch then broke his fingers too, so he was having a terrible few seconds when they did the triple power bomb through a table and they got a one, two, three. This was just there to have some kind of crazy fight which they did do, giving it up. We also got a Lyra Valkyrie interview here that was interrupted by Tegan Knox. Essentially, they were like, should we have a scrap? The other person said yes, 
but they're going to have a scrap. When we go back to AEW, man, it was goofy wrestling for life. Because we were at Roderick Strong's humble abode, as we call it, where Adam Cole is still doing chores for the man, even though he's injured. I mean, Strong wanted Cole to mow the lawn here, which he did do, so he's just the worst friend. And when he was finally going off to get surgery, Roderick was like, wait, wait one minute, I have another present for you, which was a neck strong t-shirt. My word, I love this gimmick. Adam then also wanted to know why Matt Taven carries around a stuffed giraffe. He's like, what well, stupid question. It's because they've got really strong necks. I was like, I agree with Matt. There's nothing wrong with carrying around a stuffed giraffe. He's my best friend. For some reason, it then turned out that Roderick Strong doesn't believe in televisions, so he doesn't have a set, meaning Adam Colt wasn't able to tune into Dynamite. And I just thought all of this was a hoot. It finished with Strong saying he has one last thing he wants Adam Cole to do. And given we never found out what that was, we'll have to wait and see. But of course, the whole point is he's keeping him from MJF. I really do enjoy these. I love silly, silly wrestling. Giving it up. Although it was absolutely surreal once again back on NXT. Because WWE 2K23 had reared his head. Here came John Cena. Now the place absolutely lost it for this guy. And you could just see in his eyes that he really appreciated. This is why it's so fun to watch Johnny on the television. All that goodwill comes out of the screen and it hits me in the tum-tum. He really didn't say much either other than I love you fans so much when he got interrupted by Bron Breaker. Bron was like, I like you, John, because you chose to be in Carmella Hayes' corner, so now I think you suck. Cena being Cena just smiled at all of this and thank goodness he didn't say nice speech because he would have verbally killed him. But instead, he tried to shake his hand. I was like, Cena, even I know that's a bad idea. Bron punched him right in the face. He also went for the spear, but of course, John was able to stop that as he went for the AA as Breaker ran away. And to be honest, once again, I was just like, John Cena is in an NXT ring, and now he's fallen out with Bron Breaker. I need to wake up. So I just got a huge kick out of seeing John Cena do this. Let's face it, he may never do it again. And for that simple reason alone, giving it up. We also saw Tony D'Angelo and Stax talking to Cody Rhodes in the back when they were like, hi, we've got a great idea. Why don't we do a tag team battle royal and the last two teams have a fight and then the winner of that fight gets a shot at the tag titles. Like, man, that is really convoluted. Rose really liked this though and said we should call it the Bada Bing Bada Boom Battle Royal. And I was like, that's it. I'm going back to sleep. We also saw Baron Corbin talking about a future NXT title shot and as we are here, Baron has been great in NXT. Long may it continue. Right, now we go to AEW. <laughs> Please don't make this a regular thing. It was really good though, because we had learned on the pre-show that John Moxley hasn't been cleared, so I really hope he is okay. But Phoenix will still be defending his international title against da -da -da -da, Orange Cassidy. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. It is not two plus two equals potato. Shirts on sale now. Shh, don't tell anybody. Because of course, we were gonna build to John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy. That had been made painfully clear. So if you were going to do that, why not just get Orange back into the mix? Which is what we did. Even though Phoenix is most definitely injured himself though, he still gave everything here. Although when he went for a German suplex, his back gave out. Uh-oh. Somehow he still hit the splash of the frogs, which just annoyed Cassidy. Because he took Phoenix and he threw him into the ring post and he threw him into Barry Barricade. And I was like, Orange Cassidy, I'm a big fan of you. But Bears, he is already dead. He then swept the leg like he was in the Karate Kid and just threw Phoenix into the ring apron. And essentially the story here was any time Phoenix tried to do everything, he couldn't because he didn't have a back. We've all learned a valuable lesson here. Backs are important. This was essentially the story of the match though, which Orange did take advantage of because he hit the beach break, he hit the orange punch when he locked in the mouse trap. I think that's the right verbiage. 
essentially the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. And he got the one, two, three, and he won the championship back. And I just love it so damn much because Orange Cassidy gave us everything during that run. Let him have a round two. I'm going to assume that we will build to John Moxie versus the piece of fruit when we can. But otherwise, it's so cool to see title change hands on television. Up. And yes, in the front row of Dynamite, there was also a sign that said, Simon, give me an up. Well, I am going to give you an up, but we've got to move on. Now, I always love this. You know it. Thank you so much. But look at the damn time. and We ain't even halfway through. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. So I definitely do need help, people, because they're back on NXT. It was Ida Dragunov taking on Dominic Mysterio for the NXT title with LA Knight as the special guest referee. Look at my body, just gone limp. So you could probably say this was overbooked, especially because Rhea Ripley was out there casting distraction, but who cares? Once again, I just had such a good time. But at one point after she distracted LA, Dom Dom just poked Dragunov right in the eye. That made me chuckle, he's such a shit. Ilya eventually fought back and as ever, he's just so damn intense. To the point you're like, does he know what wrestling is? I think somebody needs to tell him. Of course, when Mysterio went for the first 619, it didn't work because it never works on round one. Although he did get a round two, which got a one, two, ooh. I mean, imagine he did win the title like that. And at this stage, they both went for their finisher attempts. Although I'm going to presume that Dom's meter was a bit lower because he had literally just done a signature. But then he got a DDT on the apron. I was like, man, the poor ring apron is getting absolutely destroyed on this Tuesday. And as soon as Dragunov hit the H-bomb, it came the rest of Judgment Day. This is actually what I was doing. I was just laughing. Like, if my mum had run out here, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. I was then crying because LA Knight fought these guys off. And I was like, imagine you did that in any other sport. And this basically cast one big distraction. Dragunov hit the torpedo headbutt. One, two, three. I also forgot to mention that Trick Williams was out here stopping the Day of Judgment using the title. And Ripley just fell into his arms at one point. So if you have a tick list, 
You don't even need to mark it because we just did everything. Corbin was out here right afterwards as well when Dijak beat the shit out of Ilya Dragunov. And when he left, he was like, ha-ha, Baron. I got there first, so now I get the title shot. And I was like, Dijak, I think that's how it works. Still, though, I do enjoy all these guys in the title picture. And this was just an absolute roller coaster. But I was sports entertained. Cena was then talking to Carmelo Hayes, getting ready for their match when Trick Williams walked in. And after they had all greeted each other, it was all just funny, funny, ha ha, lol, lol. Don't know why I said it like that. It was quite amusing. The best part, though, is that Trick Williams looked very upset with Carmelo Hayes because we've been teasing that when John asked him how he was doing. He's like, listen, Cena, how do you know when it is your time? And John, like, put his arm around him and they walked off. Now, we never saw the conversation they did have, but it certainly felt like Trick getting some much-needed advice. We also saw Jade Cargill arriving at NXT. She said hello to Shawn Michaels. And given that we didn't see her again, and she did the same thing on Fastline with Triple H, it kind of feels like she's just going show to show and waving her hand at people. That's a little bit weird. But again, she is going to be a star. You just feel it. This is when Baron Corbin went and found Cody Rhodes. He's like, uh, excuse me, I meant to be the number one contender. When Cody's like, ha no you're not. Because now we're going to do you versus Dijak versus the winner of Hayes versus Bron Breaker. And then whoever is victorious there will go on to face Dragunov. <laughs> I had to go lay down again. Mostly because my head exploded because Dominic and Rhea then walked into Nathan Frazier. And he was like, I don't think you guys are very good. Dom Dom had no idea who this was. So there's your next North American feud. The insanity then continued because it was back to AEW, but it was more goofy wrestling. This may have been the best day of my life. Because we were here with timeless Tony Storm, who was telling RJ City, listen, I've made an incredible silent movie known as The Lover's Lament. Because again, who needs noise when we have faces? Just started to applaud. Now, I do believe this happened during the commercial break or the picture in picture. Now, of course, I watch on fight, so I get to see it. But either way, this was a stroke of genius. And I think Tony was trying to hitch a ride, and when she didn't get it, she stole a car when she fell down into her seat. Honestly, it's the greatest performance you've ever seen. This character is the best and continue to have fun with it, because when people have fun in wrestling, I have fun too. Getting it up. Back over on NXT, we then had Danny Palmer versus Lola Vice in the first round of the women's breakout tournament. And yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was probably good, given their levels of experience. Never forget, when you do watch NXT, you are on occasion watching developmental wrestlers, so you should respect them as much. At one point, Palmer did this hilarious double knee jumping move. I don't know why I enjoyed it so much, but I did. When Vice was all of a sudden locking in the submissions, when she essentially booted Danny right in the head, and she got the one, two, three. So yeah, potential is there. But then saw Thea Hale going back to chase you because JC Jane had told her to do it. But when they wouldn't shut up, Andre Chase just yelled at them. This was goofy wrestling for life too, because when Andre gets mad, you get generic rock music in the background. I mean, that's utterly ridiculous. I mean, they were being rude, and this is when JC was like, ha ha, I've got a surprise for you, because you, Chase, along with Duke Hudson, are going into that bada bing, bada boom, battle royal. This is when information starts to fall out of my brain, because I couldn't keep it all in there. Paul Heyman was also telling us how great Bron Breaker was, because of course he is going to be in his corner later. When essentially the entire women's division went to Oscar and treated her like she was Taylor Swift. Well, I say everyone other than Tiffany Strand because she was like, Oscar, I don't care about you. So maybe we're going to do that match soon. Sign me up. Which is when, man, WWE went and did it. Now, there have been rumors of this for the last couple of weeks, but we are not going to call Brian Pillman Jr. Brian Pillman Jr. When I heard that, I was like, man, that's so ridiculous. 
but actually it's a work of art. So once again, we saw him watching old clips of his dad. He looked right into the camera and he's like, listen, I tried to escape the wrestling business, but I failed. I mean, I'm literally right here. Because it has inflicted so much pain on him over the years, though, he is now gonna do the inflicting himself. It's a very good line. And therefore, he is gonna take on the name of the man that raised him, King. Well, Lexus King, that was actually very well thought out and probably one of the best name changes WWE has ever done. Don't forget, nobody is allowed to be called Derek Manpower. That's my NXT name. Up. I then started to die because it was back to AEW, but we were going to get into it because Wardlow was back, as was Matt Seidel. Not seen him for a minute. Now, because we're all idiots, we missed this last week, but Wardlow had MJF written on his wrist tape. So if this destruction ends with him going after the world title, my word, my back will never get better. That's a really good idea. Once again, though, it was the same thing as we did do seven days. It went shoulder tackle, shoulder tackle, shoulder tackle, bomb of power, bomb of power, bomb of power. The ref was like, <laughs> I know how this goes. I'm calling it off. Wardlow wins. Now, look, I do know we've done this with Mr. Lowe before, but this time we just have to pull the trigger. Because again, he had those three initials on his wrist giving it an up. We also saw Renny Paquette in the back trying to see if Chris Jericho was okay, although he had been sent to a local medical facility, when Daniel Garcia was hanging around, also trying to find out if his former mentor was okay. This is when Matt Menard walked in. He was like, no, we don't do that. We remember what Jericho did to us before. And Garcia seemed very torn about this. We gotta keep our eye on it. There was then more big time matches on Dynamite because it was Jay White taking on Hangman Adam Page. Once again, this was just flabbing brilliant. And also, it would have been fine with either guy winning, although I was a bit like, well, White is never going to lose here because, of course, he's going after the World Championship, whereas when it comes to Hangman, he now has beef with Swerve. That's essentially how this played out. It also works so well together because, of course, we all love the cowboy, whereas White is such a good asshole heel, and he had the Guns and Juice Robinson at ringside so they could create all the shenanigans. Those three also came to the ring on tricycles. I was like, man, it's perfect. They also started this by slapping the hangman in the face before he ran away, before he came back to do it again, when Paige got bored of this and he hit him with a dive. Like, thank goodness for that. White also escaped the dead eye when he started working on Adam's leg, because everybody was doing this, when they fell into the ring apron. I was like, can we please give him a break? He has had enough. Paige didn't care about any of that and he hit this amazing avalanche fall away slam. But when he did hit the mat, dun, 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 his legs started to hurt again. And then just went back and forth with some great wrestling tennis as Hangman Adam Page was able to hit the SI in Moonsault when White came back with a German suplex. Wunderbar. Page then had the buckshot lariat good to go, but his leg gave out. So White was like, ha I'm going to hit you with a blade runner. But that's when the Hangman did hit the dead eye. I tell you, that was one of the best one-two oohs of the evening. Prince Nana was then back out with his crown because I think he's just so desperate to use this. And even though he tried to hit the cowboy, Paige is not dumb, so he got out the way, but then he turned around into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, one, two, three. So I have been telling you for ages about this move. It is the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. But look, it worked here. Sometimes it just does. Almost instantly, MGF walked out, because of course he wants his belt back from Jay White. And after Jay got booed, he's like, well, actually, I was going to return it to him, but because you were so mean, now I'm not going to do it. Max then tried to drive a wedge between the Bullet Club going, listen, Jay, I know all about you because I used to be you. And as soon as you are done with the Guns and Juice Robinson, you're going to turn your back on them because you're nothing but a slime ball. Freeman then admitted it's harder being the bigger man, but he's going to continue to do it because of the first time in his life when he looks in the mirror in the morning, he doesn't want to punch the reflection. And he only cares about two things in this life is World Championship and Adam Cole. 
I'm like, excuse me, I've got something in my eye. He then did say that Jay White was a worthy opponent, but he is going to kick his ass when Jay was like, oh yeah, well, we are going to fight at full gear. And even though this match is like 78 weeks away at the moment, I'm very excited about it. Robertson then took the microphone and basically announced, ta-da, it is going to be the Diamond Ring Battle Royal next week. And I am entering myself into that because when I do win, not only will we have your belt, but I'll take that stupid ring off you too. Juice also pulled out a roll of quarters here that had Maxwell's name on it as he said, I'm going to use this to break your jaw. And look, we'll get to that in just one second. Because yes, look, in terms of building the feud between MGF and Jay White, I thought they did a terrific job. Everybody sit down, let's get into it. And we do have to point out that Juice has been using these quarters ever since he debuted at AEW. But as the commentators underline, it also ties into the story that Maxwell Jacob Freeman told us when he was a kid and people would throw quarters at him because he was Jewish. So it's not like this was out of nowhere. And if you don't know, this is leaning on Jewish stereotypes. And look, given the state of the world right now, this was a very touchy issue. But I do have a few things to say about it. That right, the video is about to get serious. As a Jewish man myself, though, maybe this hits me a little bit harder than others. I don't know because I can't speak for you. But as I have always said throughout the years, when it comes to these kind of segments, as long as MGF said, you know what, I'm cool with this, then I don't think anybody can say anything. So once again, I have been very consistent with this because look, it is Max that has been through this hardship. So he's allowed to use it however the flubby wants. I do also want to read you a tweet that he put out afterwards. I actually think it puts quite a different spin on it. Tonight that piece of shit, Juice Robinson, decided to bring up a story from my childhood that has left me scared. I'm glad he did. He brought awareness to something we've all gone through in one way, shape, or form in our lives. On behalf of anyone who's ever been bullied for being different in any capacity, I look forward to leaving him scared too. I also look forward to this Thursday. Hashtag stand up to Jewish hate. And then as I'm sure you can see on the screen now, there is an image he put with this tweet and it says MJF speaks for stand up to Jewish hate and he's doing some kind of seminar this Thursday. So to tie that in, throughout my own life, I've constantly had people go to me, well, you don't look Jewish. And while we can't actually get into that here because it would take too long, that is not cool at all. So to wrap this up, it now kind of feels like to me that MGF is using this to shine a light onto some anti-Semitic tropes that some people still don't get. And look, I'm sorry for being way too self-indulgent here. And I apologize to Max if I am oversharing, but I actually had a very brief, quick conversation with the man about all of this and it couldn't have been more inspiring, and it couldn't have been any more obvious that he really truly does care. I do totally get it though, it does feel like a very risky time to do this, and it would have felt risky even one week ago. But I trust MJF, and I trust in his judgement, so I'm just going to see where it goes. So I will leave it there, although I do want to point out that I respect all people, I respect all religions, I respect all cultures, and I just respect you. And however you choose to live your life, well, I want you to go and live it and be as happy as you possibly can. I mean, we're all the same. We're all living under the same damn sun. If anybody makes you feel bad for that, well, they're a complete asshat. Right, back to NXT. Because it was time for the main event, which means AEW must have had more segments than NXT. Although maybe I missed something. I mean, look at all this. My brain was fried. It was Carmelo Hayes with John Cena, though, <laughs> taking on Bron Breaker with Paul Heyman. And I spent the whole time going, how has this happened? Hayes just flew at Bron to begin with too, because he absolutely hates him. And yes, they kind of flubbed up a Frankensteiner at one point. But look at me, I really don't care. Because they got back on it almost instantly. They're very good professional wrestlers. Baker then decided, I'm going to smash you, Carmella, with Simba the Still Steps. When, of course, Goody Two Shoes John Cena stopped him. <laughs> Which is when another person returned to NXT. And it was Sola Sokoa. I was like, that was it. We've got a full house. It didn't mean that these two fought to the back when all of a sudden Carmelo Hayes gave Bron Breaker a code breaker to the outside. And I was like, Carmelo, I think that actually hurts you more than him. They went back in the ring. He hit nothing but net. 
and he got the three. I was like, hot damn. Oh, I made that sound way easier than it was, and we made sure to put the heat back on Bron right after this, because he destroyed Hayes with the spear when he got the microphone. He went and made a big mistake too, because he said, I'm the only badass in NXT, when yes, the Undertaker's dong hit, and we got the American badass music of all the people. As teased, here came the dead man. He rode his damn bike to the ring, even though he was in this tiny arena, and almost instantly Breaker was like, oh, look who it is. It's the old timer. I was like, lol, he's going to kill you. He stood by the fact that he is the only badass in NXT when Taker was like, look, you are going to be something special one day, but that day ain't today. He then thumped him and gave him this crazy choke slam. And Bron Breaker is going to be in everybody's good books today because he almost hit the ceiling before he made this big statement like there's always someone bigger, badder and more badass than you. And today that's me and I'll always be the best. I was like, wait a minute, Taker. That actually conflicts what you just said. Anyway, it meant NXT did end with The Undertaker standing tall, and I had to ring the talking clock, because I didn't know what year it was. Still, I am a massive nerd. I popped out my boots for this. It was just so damn entertaining. Giving it enough. We then got part two of the timeless Tony Storm stuff, and it was just as good as part one, which led right into Sheeta versus Soraya for the AEW Women's Championship. Now, Soraya at one point ripped up a sign to get some heel heap on the back of that thing. It was actually pimping out Barry Barricade, so I was just laughing. Also, poor Baz. And even though Ruby Soho was banned from ringside, halfway through, a masked assailant appeared. And who was it? right is Ruby Soho. She was going to use the spray paint but she actually turned the tables which is where Tony Storm was here and she took out Ruby so I guess that's going to be a match. Because Sheeta is a wrestler she also couldn't handle the fact there was distractions out of the ring which is when Soraya took over and at one point she even used the damn spray paint but she only got a one two ooh. She also hit the nightcap which actually made me buy into it and when Sheeta went for the falcon arrow I was like it's not going to work it's not a last man standing match when they got involved in the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment war, and amazingly, Sheila got the better of it. She hit the surprise roll up, one, two, three, and the title changed hands. I love it. Now I do admit there was way too many roll ups on this episode of AEW, but you can already see what I'm doing here. I'm just plugging good old wrestling. Also, Sheila is just the best, isn't she? What a baby face. Up. We also then saw Don Callis and Takeshita doing the whole gimmick that Sammy Guevara used to do with the signs as they said how happy they were that they'd killed Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega when Reddy Paquette was interviewing MJF. I was kind of intrigued what he was going to say. Now amazingly he was so worried about Adam Cole he tried to ring him and Adam did pick up. As we had learned about earlier the reason Cole is struggling is because he's in the middle of nowhere and he doesn't get a signal. That's when indeed his phone did go boop. MJF was sad. It kind of does screw him over because, of course, Max needs some friends to help him take on the Bullet Club. When the acclaimed arrived, they were like, look, just calm down. I know you were mad at us last week, but we want to help you out. Freeman didn't care about any of this and he just walked off, which when Daddy Ass was like, Max, why are you obsessed with this guy? And Caster was like, look, we train together. He's my friend. And also, I enjoy it when he plays hard to get. I went, <laughs> made me laugh. When we got to the main event of Dynamite, <laughs> please, let's never do this again. Before all of that, though, out came Christian Cage. and He just feels like such a star, especially because he addressed Adam Copeland and basically called him a goober. He started by saying that Adam should stop taking shots at his group because he saw the group that Copeland tried to put together and all he did was turn them into a bunch of Halloween characters and make them act like tough guys. I was like, man, that's a really good shot. He also wanted to make it clear that he's not the leader of Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne, but he's their father. 
And honestly, it was what, four hours of professional wrestling TV on a Tuesday night, and that may have got the biggest reaction. He also pointed out the reason he wants nothing to do with Copeland is that there was a time when he was totally ignored, whereas Adam was pushed to the moon. But now look at this. Adam Copeland's career is on the slide, whereas Christian Cage is the megastar, and surprise, surprise, Adam wants to ride his coattails. But no! He also then said he has lots of fans, including Beth Phoenix, and Ruby and Lyric, which, yes, is Adam Copeland's family, and that Beth should probably change the bed seats because daddy's coming home. Here he is, everyone, the best guy in wrestling. It also meant we weren't getting Adam Copeland a Luchasaurus and Adam just ran to the ring. He was so pissed. Once again, what world are we living in? How are we getting this match? Nick Wayne also grabbed Copeland's leg before this so the dinosaur could absolutely tear him to pieces. I was so worried about Copeland here. I was like, look, I know you've got 30 years experience, but you've never taken on a dinosaur. What are you going to do? It's actually really good, though, because it did allow Luchasaurus to just kill this man, which is what you want to see. Or well, at one point, he was going for the choke slam, and Adam Copeland reversed that into an Impaler DDT, and he went for the cover. I was like, what are you doing, Adam? You can't beat a dino, a prehistoric creature, with a DDT. I mean, it doesn't even beat humans. Wayne then put a chair in the corner because why not? And when Copeland went for the spear, he went right into this. And I was worried about his brain. But all of a sudden, Christian was so mad this didn't work, he started storming to the ring with a TNT title. This was so damn good, though, because Copeland just took that off of him and he smashed Luchasaurus right in the back of the head. He didn't really sell it because, again, he is a dinosaur. But when he came back to his senses, Cage had that championship back, so he was thinking, Daddy, why'd you do this to me? It meant that when he turned around, Copeland was able to get the spear for the one, two, three. I was like, man, what a good guy. He could have just beaten Luchasaurus and nobody would have said anything, but he actually gave him an out. Nick Wayne then flew in the ring and started putting the boots to him when Brian Danielson came out, but that meant the numbers game wasn't in their favor. So all of a sudden, Hangman Adam Page was here when the Mogul Embassy turned up too. This just meant that we were crossing all of the streams that ended with Adam Copeland going spear crazy and Brian Danielson locking the LaBelle lock onto Christian, as we were told, well, you're gonna have to tune in Saturday. And I was like, you bet your ass. So this was such a good ending to AEW. I mean, it was like an adrenaline shot right into your eye. So of course I'm giving it an up. And also I love the fact that both AEW and NXT ended with Adam Copeland or Edge and The Undertaker. We like a silly, silly form of entertainment. Which does bring us to the end of the longest ups and downs ever. And look, I know I've given it all ups and no downs. And both shows are getting ups too. But I wanted to make my point. Enjoyed professional wrestling. And look, there were foibles over both shows. But it doesn't matter. I'll get back into the more serious side come the end of the week. But for now, thank you, Pro Wrestling. Goodbye. But before then, too, again, make sure you go into the comments and let me know what you thought about AEW and NXT. Like, share, subscribe. Click the video there. It's ups and downs for Raw. Support the show. I'd appreciate it. Whatculture.com. What else do we do? I can't remember. Social media. There we go. Listen, I have to go and take a risk. Thank you for watching the whole video. I'll see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.